Thanks for tuning in to the Lean 911 podcast where you'll have a voice directly from the Gemba. I will rely on my three decades of lean successes as well as my failures to answer your most challenging questions regarding your lean transformation. I'm your host, Mark Deluzio, President and CEO of Lean Horizons Consulting and the Principal Architect of the Danaher Business System. Looking forward to your questions now. Let's go to the Gemba. Hello, my name is Mark Deluzio. Welcome to episode five of the Lean 911 podcast, where today we're going to talk about trust and how it relates to a lean transformation and why trust is so important. So let's get going and talk about trust. Trust has been uh, something that has been really big on in the lean community over the last, well, I don't know, six, 12 months, people talking a lot about trust. And it ties very closely into the concept of respect for people, which will most likely be a webinar all by itself later on down the line. But let's just talk about trust and all the questions that come up around trust. These are the kind of questions that I've been fielding over the last, uh, you know, again, six to 12 months around this subject. So one of the questions I get is what are some of the things that you have observed in your career that were detrimental to trust? And I don't think you really need to, you know, be a lean consultant or any kind of, you know, you know, expert in any type of endeavor to understand trust because we have these trust issues in our daily lives. It doesn't matter whether it's lean or whether it's your marriage or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, your son, your daughter, whatever it may be. But one of the things that I see, and again, this ties back to respect for people, is chaotic work environments where firefighting is the norm and employers are not given an opportunity to improve their work. They're not given the time, they're not given the resources, they're not given the training. And at the end of the day, what happens is we lose trust with our leaders because they're demanding more and more, but they're not giving us the tools and the support to be able to, you know, change the work, improve the work, ask for our ideas. Now, one of the things I've seen that is a really big deal, and this has happened to a lot of big companies, people who should know better, but employee layoffs, you know, a new CEO comes in and say, hey, we're going to do a lean transformation and we're going to transform this business and we're going to make it better and blah, blah, blah. But what they do is they end up laying a bunch of people off, especially when people are giving their ideas to improve their own work. What's the incentive for that, if that's the case? Lean does not mean less employees are needed. Any leader, any, I should say, any idiot could lay people off. That's an easy thing to do. But quite frankly, real you know, spirit of leadership is how do you take these improvements and grow your company with better quality, better service, which obviously, you know, will result in better cost and better profits and profits are good for everybody, but laying people off is the easy thing to do. And once that starts happening, there's no trust at all. And I'll talk more about that a little bit more. EOs who receive huge bonuses while people are being marched out the door. How many times have we seen that? Unbelievably disrespectful. How can you trust any leader that's going to do that? And I've even seen companies that announce layoffs right before Thanksgiving saying, hey, by the way, when you come back in January, we're going to have another round of layoffs. 
Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I hope you can afford that bike for little Johnny, right? So these kind of things are just not good, right? So we have to get to a point where this cancer, or as the Japanese call it, GAN, G-A-N, is eliminated from leadership. Now, let's talk more about the types of things in the whole trust space. The other question is, what are the benefits of trust? And that's probably an easy question anybody can answer, but the benefits of trust, quite frankly, is peace of mind knowing that you don't have to worry about your back. You don't have a target on your back. And it allows you to focus on excelling in your work and doing the right thing instead of you know, covering up mistakes because you're in a blameful environment where people will blame you rather than look at the process relative to the process you've been given to work on that you can't improve because of the aforementioned issues that I talked about. So this whole peace of mind goes back to respect for people again. It goes back to, it goes back to stress. It goes back to your personal health, both physical and psychological. It sends right into the workplace when there's not trust. I mean, right into your home, I should say. When you walk home and you've got a very stressful day and you're you know, spending most of your day protecting yourself because you don't trust your boss, you don't trust your leadership, well, guess what happens? You bring that home. And the minute you walk in the door, your family sees it. So, so these are some of the things that we want to avoid to build a trustful environment. What is the role of trust? Well, it's pretty easy. Without trust, lean transformations fail miserably. And they're extremely costly in so many different ways. Now, you can argue you might have some spot you know, improvements here. You might have a great story to tell over there. But is your company really transforming? And what I'm really talking about is the things you can't see, not whether or not you moved machines into a cell and created one-piece flow, all right? When I was at Toyota, my, one of my first many trips in Japan, you know, I asked, you know, how they can allow their competition to come visit their factories. They were letting Ford and GM and, you know, Chrysler into their factories. And the answer I got was what they need to know they cannot see. And I said, what the heck does that mean? You know, and it took me a long time to figure that out. But this is part of it, right? The trust part of this thing is part of what we're talking about. All right. So, so what they needed to know, they could not see. How do you see the relationship between leaders? How do you get to see how people really feel? Right. Now, this is true for any relationship, not just in a lean environment. It's true for any relationship. So, I think we all have been there some to some degree and you know had people in our lives that we didn't trust to one degree or another. So this should not all be all that new and it's not unique to lean by the way. It's yeah we're talking about it in the context of lean maybe that's our laboratory. But trust is a an overarching issue whether you're doing lean or not and so you know these are the kind of things that we need to think about as we go on any journey whether it be lean or any other you know, relationship that we might have with anybody, whether it's our leadership, the people we work with, the people that work for us, all right? So those are the things we have to think about. How do you improve trust within an organization? Now, I think one of the biggest detriments to trust is lack of communication. To me, that's the enemy of trust, lack of communication. I'm thinking about what you're thinking about me, do you really like the job I'm doing? Or am I going to get blindsided two months from now in my annual batch-oriented employee review, my performance review, and I went 11, 12 months without knowing you didn't like what I was doing because you didn't talk to me. 
I got no feedback from you at all. So how do you do that? Well, communication should be a process. It should be a process. Hey, geez, you know, I have people say to me, well, my boss won't talk to me. No. Well, set up a process. Hey, look, every, maybe every Friday at two o'clock or twice a month or whatever. Hey, let's have a 30 minute recap. Hey, what do you think about how we're doing? How am I doing? Let me give you some feedback into what I think you're doing, Mr. Leader, Mrs. Leader. Okay. And set up a process of communication. Some people want to be updated all the time and they don't have a process to do that. Well, you know, my own people don't talk to me. They don't bring me up to speed at what's going on. Well, set up a darn system, set up some type of process to facilitate this kind of communication and be clear about what the things are that you want to know about. It should not be that hard, but again, lack of communication. If I always have to think about what you're thinking, and I'm going to come to the wrong conclusions, all right? So you must be truthful and work on yourself as to how you communicate, all right? Because that's the only thing you really can control at the end of the day. Now, when it comes to communication, I get questions, you know, how do you structure questions with your manager to build trust? And how do we come to the challenges to building trust? Well, I think communication, again, going back to that whole thought process is really key, but you need to adjust your communication style to the person you're talking to, whether it's your boss, your peers, your employees, whatever. So I'm the kind of guy that likes to go in and, you know, BS about the football game last night on Monday morning, or, you know, perhaps talk about, hey, what my grandkids did this weekend. My, my grandson went to a Rubik's Cube tournament. I want to talk about that for 15 minutes. And maybe the person I'm talking to would want to hear that and they'd love to Tell about their stories and all that. Or, you know, I've met leaders who was like, give me the facts, ma'am. Give me the facts, okay? I just want to know the facts and then get out because I'm busy and I got work to do. You should be able to sense and be sensitive to the person's communication style and then adjust yourself as to how you communicate with that individual. That will go a long way in facilitating good communication. Because if you go in to somebody who just wants the facts and they want you out and because they got things to do, they don't have time for chit-chat, and you start talking about the football game last night, it's not going to be a good day for you, okay? So you can't change somebody else's communication style, but you can change how you communicate to that person at that point in time. It doesn't mean you're going to change your overarching way you communicate, but for that individual, yeah, you are, all right? So that's an important thing to remember. We have a lot of control over this if we do it right now, you know, and if you don't, change your style according to that person's communication style, then when it comes down to setting up a process, there's no way I want to set up a process with you to talk to you. You're going to waste half my day just talking about, you know, again, the football games, your grandkids, your vacation, your hobbies, your golf game. You know, no, I'm not going to set up that process. Okay. So be conscious of what's going on with the person you're communicating to. And again, that goes for anybody, not just your leadership or your boss or what have you. Okay. How can an internal or external consultant see symptoms that there is a lack of trust in an organization? Well, this is a tough one. And Colleen Sapulsa, who's a colleague of mine, is working on a that talks all about this. It's still a work in progress. And she's been, she and I have been, you know, coordinating and communicating over the last month or two about this, but some semblance of a readiness assessment to say, hey, 
is there a level of trust to go into a lean transformation? Can we really do that? You know, lean's got a black eye from so many, you know, leaders who have misused it, laying people off as they walk in the door saying, we're going to, we're going to transform this company. You know, lean, deservedly so, got a black eye because it's been misused and abused. So this readiness assessment is very important to make sure that, first of all, this trust that exists to begin with, all right, and that, and if trust isn't there, we perhaps need to put the communication and other systems in place to be able to, to at least get trust out in the open and get that moving, right? One company I worked with, they spent most of their time doing PowerPoint presentations to their boss to justify their position. Little did they spend time on the work below them because they knew in a year and a half or two years they were going to move out and be promoted to the next whatever position. That was their mantra. That's what they did in this company. They continued to move people around and promote them like crazy. And nobody ever got time to spend to eat their own cooking. They were too focused on their career. And all of a sudden, before you know it, each employee who was vying for whatever lofty position was out there were competing against each other and teamwork was almost non-existent. Nobody, none of the peers trusted each other. And they were too busy spending time in their leader's office, let them know what a great job they're doing. Okay. So that's a problem. And these kind of things are what you know, manifests itself when leaders don't take control over the whole situation. Now, very simply, one other way to look at trust is to observe. You know, Yogi Berra from the New York Yankees had a great saying. He said, you can observe a lot just by watching, okay? And take a look around you and see what's going on. See what the game, gamesmanships are going on. See how things are going, right? But you know, at the end of the day, you should be able to sense it. This is the intangible that Toyota talked about. You know what they need to know they cannot see, okay? You should be able to feel it and smell it and sense it in your own organization. How do I know when to trust a leader or a colleague for that matter? Well, or your employees. I've had employees that work for me that were not trustworthy and I didn't trust them and we had problems. And, you know, it was a problem. The reason was their actions did not match their word. They said one thing and did something else. I always look for actions versus words. And then, okay, every once in a while, all of us screw up and we might not match our actions with our words. Okay, I got that. It's happened to me personally. But is there a pattern of actions that force you to not trust that individual? A one-time occurrence? Yeah, okay, fine. We're all going to do it. But is there a pattern? A pattern of saying something and doing something else? Okay. And are you acting in a trustworthy manner with your people, with your peers, with your boss? Are you acting? Again, take it back to yourself first. Am I somebody who can be trusted? Because if, some, if there's not a trusting relationship, well, there's two parts of a relationship. There's your, the other person and there's you. Okay. And if you find yourself in a bunch of untrusting relationships, then maybe you have to ask yourself, the only common denominator then in that all those different relationships is you, and maybe it is you, okay? So again, think about yourself and what you could do to be trustworthy, follow up on things you say you're going to do, be reliable and all that. But, you know, remember, a lot of trust breaks down, not just because of one person, all right?
I like the Ronald Reagan comment that he made with uh, Russia. He said, yeah, we'll trust him, but we'll verify. Trust, but verify. So, you know, yeah, trust people. Now, you know, I think trust has to be earned. I always give people the benefit of the doubt initially when I first work with them. But as I start seeing these patterns manifest itself, I certainly then will start, you know, questioning whether or not they're really, the person really is trustworthy in so many different respects, right? So think about that. Trust but verify, but do your actions match your words? One of the questions, actually, Colleen asked me this question, what shared value systems are broken in the context of the employee management or relationship? Well, again, I think this goes back, and the way I like to answer this is, the way this goes back is to what processes are in place to back up all the things that we say we're about. For example, if your leadership says, hey, we're all about career development for our people, but there's no process in place for career development, and it's all left on the whims of a manager or getting lucky or whatever, or if somebody says, well, geez, you know, we want to solve problems at the lowest possible highest necessary level in the organization because, you know, the closer you get to the problem, I think we all know the better quality of the results going to be. The best consultants are the people doing the work. Well, if you don't have a problem-solving process, if you don't have a way to train that process, if you don't give people the time to solve problems, and if you don't give them the resources that are necessary, whether it's, you know, information technology, uh, maintenance, engineering, whatever it may be, right? then all you're doing is breaking down the trust barrier. You say you want these things, but you're not going to get them. And then you say, well, geez, how come they're not solving our problems? Well, you got to look at yourself as a leader in this case, right? So I came up with a slogan, if you will, for slogans. Principles and values like that, career development, problem solving, yeah, customers number one. What do you want to put up on your banners within your company? Principles and values without an underlying process baked in with the PDCA Deming cycle. Principles and values without an underlying process are merely slogans. They're slogans. Think about that. If you don't have a process and you say you're about honesty and integrity, teamwork, communications. Oh, yeah, communication. What's your communication process? Well, we don't have one. But we're all about that. Great. That's a nice slogan. Looks good in your annual report. Maybe some people will buy it, but at the end of the day, people who work there will not, and the trust barrier will be broken down. Okay. Okay. That's kind of like an overview of trust. Hope I give you some food for thought relative to that. Now, you could send in your questions on trust or any other subject that you might want us to address, and we will address them in subsequent podcasts. This is only number five of you know, ongoing podcasts that we're going to be doing in the future. So Lean 911, again, is designed to, to talk to you about the things that nobody, you don't find in a book all that much, right? These are the tacit things that have to happen in order for you to be successful in this regard. So my email is mark at lean911.com, mark at lean911.com. Feel free to send me your comments on these podcasts. Send me some ideas about some of the things you'd like to see in the future or any questions that you might have. And we will get back to you one way or the other or, you know, address them on a subsequent podcast down the line. Okay. So let me just close this thing out. Thank you very much. Right now, this podcast, along with others, are going to be launched in January of 2023. 
Uh, right now it's December, two days before Christmas. And I look forward to a good 2023 with a lot of dialogue. And we'll also have some guests on the show as well to talk about different aspects of the struggles that you might be going through. Okay. So God bless. Thank you very much. And we'll see you on the next show, which is going to be episode number six. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Lean 911 podcast. I'll be happy to address your questions or feedback on future episodes. Email me at mark at lean911.com. You can check out our other episodes by visiting our website at lean911.com, our YouTube channel, wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your host, Mark DeLuzio. Thanks for listening. 